This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Welcome to She Talks Peace, a podcast that highlights the role of women peacebuilders around the world in bringing lasting peace and security to their communities. Eavesdrop into their conversations and get to know their stories. From the Philippines to Malaysia, from Indonesia to Palestine, from Myanmar to the United States, their dreams and their hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy, and Dina Zaman, a Malaysian journalist and co-founder of Iman Research. This is She Talks Peace. Hello, everyone around the world. Welcome to She Talks Peace. This is Amina Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy from Manila. And my co-host... Salam from Kuala Lumpur. This is Dina Zaman for Iman Research Malaysia. Hi, Dina. Have you been watching the news, the events about Afghanistan? I haven't been able to tear myself away watching CNN, NBC, waiting for news about what's happening. You know, the the desperate attempts of the Americans, their allies, and Afghans who work with them trying to escape. It's it's excruciating watching. You know, women. There were mm-hmm. there was that incident about girls that got trampled because there was a push to get into to the airport oh my goodness mm-hmm. here in the philippines there are three topics of conversation and i not necessarily in this order covid the coming <laughs> elections and afghanistan how about in kuala lumpur well you know it's almost similar to what's happening in the philippines right covid right our yeah. interesting government, which seems to be changing. In three years, we've had maybe two, three prime ministers already. Don't ask me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> there may be another one tomorrow. And yes, Afghanistan. Yeah. And, you know, the topic of Afghanistan, you know, like you, Amina, I'm in a few WhatsApp groups. It's such a polarizing subject, you know, which needs to be discussed more because, you know, you'll have the so-called, uh, well, I don't want to say so-called, you'll have people accusing certain parties of being pro-liberal, pro-US and all that, and saying it's not as bad as, as what you think it is. So it's a question that, you know, it's a situation that we really need to talk about tonight. Yep. I really worry about what's going to happen to the the women and, and girls. And I have been following the journey of a group of uh, young Afghan girls. They're called the Afghan Dreamers. Uh-huh. And I think maybe our guests would be familiar with them. This is an all-girls robotics team. Oh, okay. And they have made headlines. Just imagine Afghan girls. They were first uh, in the headlines because they went 
to a conference in Washington, D.C. for an international competition, and they seem to have done uh, well. So these young, young girls have been studying. They want to be engineers. They want to be, you know, physicists, maybe. And now with what's happening in Afghanistan, things are all of a sudden so scary. But this is a beautiful story, Dina. So when they went to D.C., they met a mother of 11. Nine, uh-huh. can you imagine? Nine girls and two boys. Uh-huh. And this woman from Oklahoma, her, her name's Allison Renault. Uh, she's, she's a Harvard graduate. And when she met them, she was so impressed. She bonded with these girls, maybe because she had nine girls herself, that she kept in touch with them. And over the last years, they've been texting. And the last month, the text became you know, worried. And right. one day she woke up, she felt there was something wrong. And mm-hmm. that was before the Taliban started advancing. So you know what this woman did, this Mrs. Renault? She took it upon herself because she had been talking to her senator. The senator wasn't really doing anything. So she went to Qatar. Uh-huh. and. She had a friend with the U.S. Embassy, worked with this friend to you know, do the paperwork for these girls, talked to all of her friends to help these girls. And you know what? She was able to get um, several of them, 10 of them were able to get out of Kabul before the fall. And wow. they're, they're in Qatar. And these girls now have offers of scholarships. But the thing is, Dina, it's a beautiful story, isn't it? Of compassion, motherly yes. love, tenacity, and willpower. But the thing is, not all of the African dreamers left Kabul. Some of them are still there. They, they opted to stay, maybe because they can't leave their families. And right. apart, from this, apart from these girls, what about the women who... Well, you know, who are there, like like are the doctors, the nurses, the teachers, the police women. What's going to happen to them, Dina? You know, remember when we had that conversation with Sanam, who spoke about yes. this, that, you know, the war in Afghanistan is actually a war about, is a war against young people. I'm not sidelining the women, the men who are there. But obviously that the younger generation is totally, totally affected. And I was reading the New York Times today where they interviewed, they did a, you know, a photojournalistic interview with many people in Afghanistan who are saying, you know, we don't have any hope. I read about this uh, woman, this uh, female journalist who wrote in, mm-hmm. uh, in The Guardian who had to run away from home because she said, you know, everyone knows that I'm a journalist. They're going to kill me. They're going to rape me. And she's been running non-stop since, alone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether it's women or men, you know, the, the arguments that I'm hearing on WhatsApp is that the ones who will be attacked are those who think who will be thought of as allies to the US. And I thought, yeah. yes, but at the same time, what about humanity? Why do you have to look at them as American allies and they must be, you know, destroyed or killed? Afghanistan is really about the whole world, you know. I mean, before we go to you know, introduce our guest today, you know, when you have a nation that does not take care of itself, right, right and suddenly right. it falls apart, you no longer have a nation. You no longer have That's a people. Right. Yeah. 
But so yes, you've got to tell me who we're interviewing tonight. I'm excited. Well, you know how I was saying it's so unsafe for women, for the Afghan women. And uh, so many of them are trying to get out Mm -hmm. and go to another country. Well, this young woman, interestingly, from the Philippines, from the province of Samar, is staying. And nobody's putting a, a gun to her head to make her stay. She's not been kidnapped. She's chosen to stay. And her name uh-huh. is Dr. Evangeline Kua. Uh-huh. I actually found out about the Dr. Kua, who is called Bangi by her friends, from uh-huh. a very good friend of mine, a classmate from, from Harvard, Arlene Donaire. And it seems Arlene in Bangi are photographers. Boy, uh-huh. Bangi must have some pretty good photographs, uh, you know, having been in, in Afghanistan for, for a while now. And Dr. Kua, uh, Bangi Kua, is part of the uh, Doctors Without Borders. And she's been with that group for, for a while now. I believe she may have been assigned uh, elsewhere before, before Afghanistan. I actually read and saw a video uh, with mm-hmm. the Dr. Kua talking about her experience. And I can't believe it. I don't know why Bangit would choose to stay. You know, the place that she worked in, the hospital that she was supposed to work in before, got bombed and she got hurt. Oh. And there wow. she is back in Afghanistan. She's going to serve the people. She's going to treat the wounded no matter who they are. And the Taliban is uh, is surrounding. So this is an amazing woman. I mean, I don't know if I can be as brave as uh, as Bangi. So let's bring her an, on board and yes. welcome Dr. Yes. Evangeline Kua, Bangi from Samar. Hi, Bangi. Hello. Bangi, you know, you know when I was... Um, Listening to your interview and uh, reading about your uh, your experience with with the bombing, I really couldn't imagine you're wanting to go back to conflict uh, area, especially since the Taliban is not exactly known to be very supportive of women. Have you have you had any experience with uh, with the Taliban in your line of work? As a surgeon who treats mainly war-wounded patients, I had treated and operated on a lot of Taliban fighters in the MSF hospital. I also had a chance to talk with their higher-ups to explain to them the medical condition of the patient or the surgery that they have to undergo. That's amazing, Bakke. You're actually able to to have a rational conversation with, uh, with the Taliban and they listen to you in spite of all of what we hear about them and their disregard of women, you're able to to talk to them. Huh? You're lucky. But what makes you stay, Bangi? I mean, first, what made you decide to go to Afghanistan? I went back to Kunduz after my 2015 bombing experience because my I got my second life here and I feel like I have to give back by serving the people in Kunduz. Coming back was also like putting a closure to that bad experience in 2015. And what made you decide to stay? I think the desire to help the people of Kunduz who really needed medical care 
was the primary reason why me and the rest of the team stayed. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Mission over safety. What about you, Dina? You think you'd ever do what Evangeline has done, what Dr. No. Kua has done, and leave the safety of Kuala Lumpur? Uh, I'll tell you this. I have moments of bravery, but I don't know whether I could ever be that brave, to be honest. Me too. Um, I think... Yeah, I mean, what I think, I think what you're doing is wonderful. I mean, Dr. Kwa, I have a few questions to ask, right? Uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, that's all, Afghanistan can be so polarizing. So when you look at the media, right, you have like the New York Times, the Guardians, right, the so-called upholder of liberal news, you know, who are saying that, you know, Afghanistan is basically a wasteland, it's going to die and all that. But then you also get other media like The Intercept who are saying that you have to look beyond, you know, beyond this. This, this is not just about a failed foreign policy. You have to look at people who are complicit in making Afghanistan, you know, and maybe the Taliban's are not as bad as what we think, which is what you just told us. Uh, Dr. Kua, um, I think you probably know this, that, you know, there are, In the media, there are very, you know, polarizing views about Afghanistan. You would have what you'd say, the liberals, you know, or people who would side with the U.S. foreign policy, even though they didn't agree with what Biden did. And then you have the media like, what they call it, the intercept and so forth, saying that we have to look at the bigger picture, that, you know, there are more complicit partners. There's also corruption that's created the mess that Afghanistan is in. What do you think about that? In my brief encounter with the Taliban members in the hospital, all I had experienced were politeness and respect. It could probably be because I am working with an organization well-known in Afghanistan as neutral and impartial and has a high acceptance in the community. Or it could be because I am a doctor and I'm treating their wounded companions. But when you get to talk to the people in Kunduz, They're nothing like what is portrayed, right? And they're normal people. They, they're not extreme fundamentalists. They're, uh-huh. they're moderate. They let their girls go to school. Is, is that the situation in Kunduz? The Afghans in Kunduz are very kind and loyal people. They are also very generous. They would treat you like a member of their own family. They are very committed to their work and would literally brave even bombs and bullets just to be at their workplace every day. They are very resilient. I often wonder how they could continue working like this for so many years with their sanity still intact. You know, you know what, um, Bangit? We should bring in another friend who lived in Kabul. 
for for a couple of years, another Filipina. And uh, she's dying also to compare notes with you because your experience uh-huh. outside Kabul is is rather different. So why don't we bring in Fatima Versosa? We call her Ima, and she was gender advisor with the USAID um, office in, in Kabul. Hi, Ima. You've been dying Hi, to talk to Bangi, so here's your chance. Thank you, thank you, Amina, for bringing me here and for inviting me. Yes, I've been wanting to ask also uh, Dr. Ku about uh, her experiences in Afghanistan because I also have some some positive stories when I was there. At the same time, I'm I'm really scared uh, about what I'm hearing in the news about women being collected, basically house to house, and capturing them and making them the wives of the Taliban mm-hmm. fighters. That to me is really very worrisome. So that's the other part of, it's like a whole continuum of violence and benevolence on the other side. So, but let me to look at, talk about the more positive aspect first. When I was there, I met some missionaries from the uh, missionaries of charity of uh, Mother Teresa. And I was also surprised to find that there were Filipinos or they mm-hmm. volunteered uh, as nuns. And uh, the nun that I met has been there for 10 years. And so I kept asking her her experience with the Taliban, if they ever get visited, if they get molested, and if they get hurt, or if there's any negative experience that they have encountered with them. And to my surprise, uh, she was telling me that they, they were never touched by the Taliban's. Mm. And I said, and what is the reason behind that? And then she said that when the Taliban know that you're doing good for their country, they will not touch mm-hmm. you. So the, the missionaries were basically taking care of the orphans who were maimed by the war. So most of the children have disability. Mm-hmm. I think there were about 14 orphans at that time. And so the nuns were the ones taking care of them. They're orphans, no families. And at the same time, there were 250 families, very poor families that the missionaries were helping. And so the way we got working together was, I knew that there were many Americans leaving the embassy compound after their tours. And I always noticed that they just uh, dump the things that they're leaving behind in the waste uh, area mm-hmm. by filling up the waste cans. And so I said, oh my goodness, they're just throwing these things away. They can be made useful and, and uh, yeah. it can be given to other people. So I organized a group and then we started collecting donations among those who were leaving uh, the compound. And then that's how I got in touch with the nuns. And so every Friday we would give her all the collected items from the embassy. And eventually, the soldiers helped us. The American soldiers helped us to carry those things. And every Friday, they would be able to come in and fill, and we fill in their, their vehicle with all sorts of donations. And then eventually, some of the families of the Americans also started sending a lot of items, including school materials for the children. I thought that it was doing... They were already doing very well by that time. But then 
when I left in, and all the time that I was in the embassy from 2015 to 2018, it is true that there are bombs being mm-hmm. being thrown inside the embassy. But with the grace of God, no one of us were hurt. No? Some of the You're bombs, lucky. yes, some of the bombs did, didn't even explode. So some some people are saying, oh, because they're made in China, that's why they're not exploding. So it's <laughs> some, some kind of a joke. <laughs> <laughs> but the, so Ima, the, this uh, missionaries, these nuns, the, in the Filipino nuns, they were outside Kabul. Yes, they're outside that. They're they're in Kabul. Ah, they're in the city uh-huh. itself, but they're outside of the green zone. But their work is outside. Yes. Oh, so there, there's a difference. You don't you don't normally hear about the the average, you know, Afghan. So it is the picture really is different from from what we see uh, every day now on on the news. So tama tama si Bangge. You're right, Bangge. I mean your 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 community they're they're nice, right? They're, you you mentioned something about them being welcoming and kind. So I have a question. Fearless forecast, knowing what you know about what the Taliban can be like and how extremely fundamentalist they are about women and and girls. But also knowing what you know now about the way they can be, do you have any positive feelings about the future of Afghanistan with the Taliban in power? I am am not so positive about the future of women and girls in Afghanistan because even at the time when the Taliban's were not back in power, the cultural norms and traditions in Afghanistan have always put women at a mm. very low status. So, and there's so much violence against women. I think it's it's the number one in the world. Mm. And um, in the in the literature that I usually see. Even in the way in the gender analysis studies that we do, uh, it's always said that Afghanistan is the most dangerous country for women, and it is it is because of the harmful uh, traditions that are being practiced in Afghanistan. We we know of cases of wives burning themselves, dousing themselves with with gasoline because they just couldn't take it anymore. Okay. The way they're Families and husbands and the men yeah. members of the family are treating them. There are also cases of fathers basically giving away their daughters, especially the youngest, the younger mm-hmm. ones, to pay off family obligations. And of course, uh, early marriage is a very common occurrence with very old men marrying very young girls and basically raping them, uh, making them pregnant when their bodies are not able to. To, to do any any kind of mothering or being um, you know being pregnant uh, their their bodies are not prepared for it so and when I was there there were also a lot of bombings of uh, uh, schools where women are where girls are attending even the American University in Kabul that has always been a target of uh, bombing by the extremists because they don't want to see the women getting educated. And so I'm not I'm not so positive. I hope, mm-hmm. like what uh, Vanji is saying, that the leaders who are making themselves missing, uh, that there'll be a more moderate 
leaders this time around. Maybe it's it's going to happen for a while while they're trying to get international support. But for as long as those same cultural values are present, the women will always be very disadvantaged in, in that country. And it's, it's so sad because there's so many qualified women, like the people, the women that I worked with, the local staff. Uh, there were just a few of them, but the ones who were able to get into the system, they're very competent, very dedicated in their work. And uh, there was a point in time that we were encouraging our our supervisors to prioritize women, have an affirmative action to get more women into the system, hire them as uh, employees. And it was working for a while. We started getting more and more women. But these same women are now very fearful of their lives. I just talked with one of my former Afghan colleagues. He said that their their advice, they were being advised by the Americans who are trying to get them out, not to get out of their house because they could easily be targeted as collaborators, mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. worked with the US government. So you can imagine how fearful it is if you're a woman who used to be working, who used to work with the US government um, and they're, you're targeted as, you know, as a collaborator. I, I can just not imagine what could possibly happen. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. That's why I was so worried about Bangi when when Arlene told me about her being in in Kunduz. But I think one possibility, Bangi, is because you're you're providing an essential service, and because you you're giving a service that they need, treating wounded, even if you're a woman, they allow you to fulfill your your profession. But I was just wondering if you were not a, a doctor, would you be in more risk? As of today, women are advised to stay home, which was a different proclamation a week ago. If I am not a doctor, I don't think I would have the same privilege of going out of my house to work. Just like the nuns that Ima knows yes. about. Wow, Dina, you and I, yeah. we're not going to survive in Afghanistan. No. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I don't think I'm going to survive in Afghanistan. What do you have to say about that, Dina? I concur. I mean, I think what both our guests have done, even Sanam, right? They're doing such a great job. And, you know, to have that courage is something which I'm just thinking, is it a compulsive thing? Is it, you know, how do you become so brave? Or is it just being, look, I've got to do my work. I'm going to focus. I'm going to help people who are sick, people who have been injured. You know, that selflessness is something which all of us should aspire to have. It's been very interesting. I mean, from Sanam, right? And then, you know, two women from Southeast Asia talking about the experiences. And I feel that with Afghanistan, just like as Fatima said, that, you know, there are good things and bad things. And 
you have to be extremely wary and careful. And then as you've got Dr. Kwa's experience. So to me, it feels like living in a very, in a bipolar society where you think you're all right. <laughs> bipolar, actually, yes. you're not, Yeah, because they're two extremes, you yes, know? Yes, yes, you're right. Yeah. And how does one manage to live like that? Yeah, working. Yeah, yeah you're in. And that's how that's how it starts. A little income that they can share with their husbands and their families, maybe the 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 saving grace. So I'm, you know, whether it's PR or not, at, at least the Taliban are saying that uh, the women will continue to those who are employed will continue to work because I guess they need the women. If the women stopped working in government, what's going to happen to the, to the bureaucracy? If doctors and nurses stop going to hospitals, what's going to happen to, to the Taliban wounded, right? And those who are sick. So maybe, maybe there's a little opening there that can be, I guess, an opportunity to see how far they can move the needle as far as empowering women and girls. With the Taliban, but I guess Miss Ima Versosa, gender advisor, is not going to hold her breath. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Um, <laughs> you're you're neither, right. <laughs> neither, neither, neither with Dina. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, in my in just to share uh, with you an experience. So, as a gender specialist, I always promote gender equality. And when I talk with male Afghans in my office, they always nod their heads. They agree with me. They believe in the concept. They think that there should be more equality between men and women in Afghanistan. There should be more respect for women's rights and all that. Mm -hmm. But as soon as they step step out of our office, they're Mm -hmm. different. They don't want their (laughs) wives to work. They don't want their wives to learn how to speak English. They right. just want their wives to stay at home and take care of the children. So it's it's like I can see two worlds, no? Uh, one who would uh, men who would say that they are supportive of uh, equality, women's rights, but then when they go back to their respective families, everything changes. Everything changes. Yeah. And now that you don't have the the Western governments in uh, in Kabul to try and stem the tide. God only knows where women and and girls in Afghanistan are going to be heading. Well, it's been really great talking to the two of you in spite of the fact that we have this internet issue with Afghanistan. But then, you know, what can you expect? Afghanistan is in such turmoil now. So we thank you so much bange for making time i know that you had an emergency meeting earlier because of some issues in panzer valley so we'd like to thank you and ima dina maybe we can ask bange for some parting words to those yes. who are listening to her today may panawagan po ba kayo so dr kwa uh, miss fatima what are your last words for tonight when it comes to Afghanistan? If, if you ask me, uh, Dina and Amina, I would like to pray for the country. I would like to pray for peace because I'm not seeing any light at the end of the tunnel yet. The Taliban leaders need to walk their talk if they're telling us that they're governing the new Afghanistan in a moderate way. 
but within the tenets of the extremist interpretation of Islamic laws, I think it will always be a lip service. So I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed, but I continue to pray for peace in Afghanistan. And how about you, Dr. Kua? I wish the girls and women of Afghanistan would be granted the same freedom and liberties that other women around the world enjoy, being allowed to go to school, get educated, to be allowed to work in any field that they want, and just to be free to choose or do whatever they want. Well, Dina, this has been a remarkable conversation. Yes, and it's actually whetted my appetite. So I'm thinking, gosh, what am I going to eat? You want to go to Afghanistan? (laughs) No, I want to eat. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's so intense. You feel like, I wish I had a cookie while listening to this. A trite, I mean, yeah, uh, I don't know about going to Afghanistan, but certainly we must support them and all the women around the world who are actually going through and living through conflict. I mean, when you think about it, we had the Palestine issue a few months ago. Now we've got Afghanistan. People have yeah. forgotten Palestine. Now it's Afghanistan. We don't want to forget anyone. You're absolutely right. And I don't think Afghanistan will allow us to forget because if the Taliban has not changed mm-hmm. and if now you know, Afghanistan will become a safe haven for ISIS, for the remnants of Al-Qaeda, then you know oh. where they're going next, right? They're coming over here because they've al- they already have a hold in southern yeah. Philippines, in Indonesia, in Myanmar, and even yep. even in in Malaysia, right? So I I can only echo the prayers of uh, Ima and and Bangi. How about you, Dina? Well, we can only pray. Yeah, we'll have to work harder now. I think one thing about COVID, right? It's proven to all of us that what we thought the world was is not what the world is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think with that, I guess we'll have to say good night. We have to say good night, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. This is Amina Rasul from the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy. Thank you for listening to us on She Talks Peace. And my partner, Dina. Yes, thank you so much for listening in. We are looking forward to having this podcast uh, uploaded on our Spotify real soon. So listen in, you know, follow us uh, on our social media and good night. Bye. Bye. Good night, everyone. Hi, everyone. She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.